I've been handed this post due to my large head and exceeding skill in the science of being right. Tonight's motion is the following. This house believes that the chattering classes of this once great nation are at it again. Our teams are composed of leading lights in the field of rationality, free speaking and cultural analysis. From the government, we have the dream team of Brendan O'Neill, Brendan O'Neill and Brendan O'Neill. They will be facing off against formidable opposition, however. A team comprised of the titans of Brendan O'Neill, like, Brendan like O'Neill, and of course, waffle, have a Brendan O'Neill. Just don't have too many and do a we have gathered exercise. together such mighty teams because the question is such a mighty one. The peculiar psychology of the chattering classes has been a matter of concern for Brendan's O'Neill since the early 80s, when their beloved political correctness came into being. The chattering classes have been known by many names down the years, from the Islington Corbynite Trotskyite Stalinists to the Quinoa Khmer Rouge, the Arborio Antifa, <laughs> and this. even the Risotto Red uh, Army. You learn about your they have been at it, for sure. But have we ever stopped to ask ourselves the question, what is if you like, it, if you like and how long have they been waffle, at have it for? Waffle, just Can they be at it again if they've always continuously been at it? These are not easy questions. They do not require straightforward answers, or, dare I say it, even answers which come down on one side of the question at all. For this reason, we have assembled the most contrarian thinkers in all of the land, able to hold opinions not only contrary to their opponents, but contrary to their own thoughts. There can be no peace until using the noble art of debate we have vanquished the chattering classes and banished along with them the metaphorical vegan gulag in which we all live. <laughs> a gulag in which you can be arrested and thrown into a smaller, worse gulag just for saying that you are English or refusing to eat a Linda McCartney sausage. <laughs> Only when the streets of Islington are empty, when the vegetarian bike repair coffee shops of the Stroud Green Road fall silent, when the university gender seminars dismiss their last classes, only then will the rational man be free. I expect a lot of words will be said tonight in debating this motion. I cannot tell you exactly how many at this stage, but I suspect it will be far higher than 1,984. <laughs> if you like, if you like a caramel waffle, have a <laughs> caramel waffle. Without, Just don't have without further ado then, I would like to welcome the first speaker for the government, Brendan O'Neill, played by Nate Bethay. Mr. Chairman, if you like, honorable if you colleagues, like waffle, distinguished guests, good evening. It is with gravest concern that I address the points previously made in this August chamber and reassert once again that the chattering classes of this one great nation are in fact at it again. Now, might I remind you, distinguished guests, that in the span of our beloved monarch's lifetime, this nation has gone from a triumphant island of consumptive curtain-twitching shopkeepers to a defeated island of consumptive curtain-twitching shopkeepers. <laughs> we were once proud and striving a nation that selflessly built railroads around the world that, out of deference to local property values, avoided all population centers and simply improved the efficiency of distant mines and ports. Now we can't even build a tube line across London without making po-faced concessions to gender. We can't manage a single step forward without being veritably pecked to death by the scorning, implacable Waitrose Wehrmacht of momentum thugs and guillotine garbanistas. <laughs> When I remind you of our once great status, 
a halcyon time when enterprising children earned their pocket money by scrubbing chimneys and every breakfast table in the land was alight with laughter at the gollywogs on the jam. I would indeed like to put forth the argument that these self-same gender-fluid Jacobins are not just celebrating our nation's downfall, but rather driving it. One has only to imagine a recent story published last month in that formerly leonine and muscular Manchester newspaper, long since decamped to the condescending fiefdom of Highbury and Islington. The headline reads, Britain breaks record for coal-free power generation, as if this is worth celebrating, as if the longest stretch of coal-free days since the Industrial Revolution were an indicator of progress and not the death throes of a nation fallen to a degree that would make Milton, who was blind, cover his eyes for some reason. <laughs> if you were to chart a course from the peak of the British Empire to its current lamentable state, you would find a near identical correlation between declining greatness and coal usage. But for a brief Churchillian spike in the early 1950s, it has dwindled down ever slower, replaced instead by bloviating gas and wind, by flimsy foreign-made solar panels, by nuclear reactors sneeringly built by the French, their every brick and joint assembled with pate-stained hands and backbiting gaullist intentions. And what brought this on? Well, as many of you distinguished ladies and gentlemen are aware, I suffered a head injury during a furious student union debate, and as such, I have no recollection of the years 1984 to 1986. But I can only presume that the decline of coal stems from a coterie of kale-eating Corbinistas, desperate to end the proud tradition of the pit village, the sooty post-work pint, the sense of fulfillment that can only be achieved by a life well-lived and that just happens to end in a fit of pleurisy at age 56. <laughs> Nay, instead we find ourselves with no more coal, no more mines, and a sea humiliatingly dotted with enormous propellers. No longer can a man test his mettle by navigating home by bicycle in pea soup smogs. No longer can the British lungs boast of their great hardiness, their great durability, their great mettle in the face of any meddlesome particulate matter. The Nutella NKVD of the labor left will say, well, surely given the current pandemic and its effects on pulmonary function, we're better off without the smogs. To which I say, no. I, for one, instead argue that it is the lack of coal power that has bequeathed us the highest coronavirus death toll in Europe. I would argue that a nation softened on smartphones and promises of a pay rise once a decade has lost its hardiness, its natural vigor, its intensity of life force. Had we coal power, ladies and gentlemen, this abominable pestilence would have bounced off the British public the way sensory input bounces off my own enormous cranium. <laughs> we were warriors once. We tattooed our powerful bodies with blue lions and bravely faced the Romans and Normans. True, some other things did also happen after that, but they're beside the point. And what are we now? A great nation, a once great nation, betrayed by its chattering classes, denied its sooty heritage, its pollutant patrimony, its carbon monoxide cohesiveness. Dull in spirit and weak in mind, we while away our hours scrolling our blinking devices, powered by the degradation of our own territorial waters. On a clear day, you can see those treacherous turbines hard at work, twirling and twirling and twirling all over the waters that King Canute once dominated. 25 here, 31 there, and the cultural Marxist pylon ships will keep driving them into the seabed one after one until their number reaches 1,984. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, Incredible. I yield. Incredible. Incredible. Oh, oh, oh my god. I am floored. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would first of all like to like to apologize to the right honorable gentleman's forehead uh, for not including the Nutella NKVD in the list of prescribed <laughs> groups that I read out at the start of the show. That was, that was a serious omission on my part. <laughs> Thank you.